What's going on? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know this. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast. My name is Rocks Rock and Roll Thrive. And my foot is asleep. Yes, yes, yes. My foot is asleep. So wake up. I got to yell at it. Wake up. I, I don't know why it's asleep though, but enough with enough with me yelling at my foot. I've got a great podcast for you today, ladies and gentlemen. So this band actually reached straight out to me about this one. They they requested to be on the podcast. Normally, I'm the one connecting with PR firms that are requesting bands to be on the podcast. But this one, they requested me. Oh, how is that possible? This is freaking awesome. So how about I just let you guys get into this episode where we talk about growing up with music in terms of getting to music like, you know, through grade school, middle school, high school, getting that kind of stuff, how different music teachers can influence you. And if you're in that currently, um, what you can do in order to make sure that you are continuing on with that inspiration, but continue on with the music that you want to continue on with to, you know, keep you in that musical realm. Plus we talk about their more gritty indie garage rock sound, as I called it, and their brand new single shut me out is out now. So please welcome Sergio and Robert from the band, the lookout service. Are you guys ready? Because Let's go! Yeah! This one's gritty, yeah! Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Core Progression Podcast, these two guys actually reached out straight to me asking to check out their stuff and to be on the podcast, and well... It was fucking awesome. So, of course, I had to listen. I had to oblige. And I'm happy that they are here. So, please welcome, out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the band The Lookout Service, Sergios and Rob. So, both of you guys, I got to say, welcome to Core Progression Podcast. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for that intro. I had to give you guys a nice big intro. How's everything going in Canada in this day and age with the pandemic seeming like it's somewhat coming to a close? Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're still, we're still technically in lockdown now, but we were hearing some stuff today on the news that, uh, Doug, Doug Ford, uh, he's going to maybe loosen some restrictions for some outdoor stuff. So we're looking forward to that. We're getting a lot, lots of nice weather, 30 degrees today. So we're melting a little bit in here, but, uh, it's, you know, it's not too bad. Can't complain. Understandable. I mean, melting here, the same thing right now. I mean, I, that's not Celsius, but I think, uh, here it's like, you know, it was like 82, 83 degrees Fahrenheit, rather humid though. So that adds on top of it. So if you guys are watching the podcast on YouTube and you see all three of us starting to sweat rather profusely, we're not in the same room together, but okay. it's, you know, at least we're on the same wavelength on this one. For sure. But hopefully everything starts to open back up for you guys. Cause again, if you look down here in the US right now, at the time we're shooting this and probably by the time that this podcast ends up releasing, I mean, there's a lot more things opening up. Mask mandates are being dropped. Concerts are coming back, being announced, scheduled. And yes, like I said before we started the podcast, my wallet is starting to get thinner and thinner because of it. But you know what? After 2020 and missing out on so many shows, I, I mean, I can't. Like every time I see one pop up, like I can't say no. No matter how big or small the band is, I'm like, I can't say no. I want to support all the bands that I love and all the bands I've had in the podcast. Well, because now I'm starting to see them come through. I'm like... Well, got to go see them because I've had so much fun with them in the podcast. I want to support them. I want to be a part of it. So my wallet's getting thinner for you guys. Yeah. No, honestly, like, cause, also because you've been inside for so long, you, you just got that extra extra motivation to go out and see an extra gig. You know, like, I remember there were times, sometimes you didn't want to go out to a gig, especially for us in the wintertime. Because it, it can get so cold here. And a lot of bands, you know, they're still playing their shows in the winter. But you just don't want to go because you don't want to get on the train and get cold. You got to put on like 16 layers or whatever to go see your band. Now it's like, what I wouldn't give, you know? 
So, so uh, you know, just just the same way you're going out to see bands, we're going to be trying to get out there and playing shows as soon as as soon as they allow us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the difference between the winter ones with the winter shows with you guys and with myself, I mean, we're we're in a very similar climate. You guys in Toronto and myself in Milwaukee, so we're definitely in that northern part of North America. Yeah, yeah. And when it gets to be winter, it gets cold. There's snow on the ground. With me though, if I get to go see a live show, of course it's gonna be indoors, but. I'm going to end up driving down to the venue, parking maybe a block and a half to two blocks away because the venue's not in the best neighborhood. So there's not a lot of people that end up parking on the street. Kind of a win for me. But right. I'll end up going there still in like a long sleeve shirt and shorts because I know if I'm going to a show, there's bound to be a mosh pit and I can't say no to that. So yeah, I, sure. I would rather brave the five minutes I have to go from my car to the venue and then the other five minutes from, my venue, from the venue to my car back again, but have that three and a half hour period where I am comfortable as all hell. For sure, for sure. Yeah, code checks, code checks suck. <laughs> oh yeah, I I don't like dealing with it. If I have to deal with it, I will. If I don't have to deal with it, I will stay as far away from it as possible. For sure, it's so easy to lose stuff. You know what I mean? Especially especially when you're playing like the underground show, like the shows that we play. The you know the underground scenes like you you come in dressed up nice and you and you leave with like a black eye you know your <laughs> eyebrows bleeding a busted tooth you know, there's you're missing a shoe you're like fuck what the hell happened in there right but yeah that's know, worth it right because then you got a good story oh i've got plenty of stories like that i mean i went to go see guar and it was i mean i got drenched in like the red and the green colored water but it was totally worth it i got a black eye uh, at riot fest in 2019 because i was holding up two people crowd crowd surfing and a third person came in the peel their combat boot hit me right in the eye yeah um after the burial emotions and white during after the burial set i got knocked down in the pit as i was getting picked up dude comes in head-to-head contact my whole eyebrow from like just below it from here over was just split wide open. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't on my eye, though, but I did not leave that show. I did not go to the hospital. I probably should have gotten stitches for it, but I just put a bunch of paper towel up there. Uh, this girl that met me at the show, she ripped off a piece of her flannel shirt so I could tie it around my head, and I literally looked like a pirate. I yeah. felt awesome. I did not jump back in the pit, though, because I did not want the thing to open back up again and then start yeah. bleeding over everybody because that's a bad thing to happen. Yeah, like, but that's what it's about. You know what I mean? Like, that's that you get that live aesthetic. You know what I mean? You get that live feel. You go to the show, you, you know, you, you're very well aware that you might come out there getting kicked in the head or something, but you still go all the same, you know? You still go all the same. You just have to dress accordingly, which is always, when I always put it this way. When it comes to me, when I go to concerts, shoes, I'm going to be wearing shoes that are comfy, but if something happens to them, I'm not going to be too concerned. Sure. If it's winter, pants that, if I, if something happens, if something happens, do I get some on them or they get ripped? No big deal. Or shorts. Most of the time my shorts are already ripped anyway. Uh, shirt, it's usually a band t-shirt because while well, I'm seeing a band, why not? Yeah, yeah. And otherwise a shirt. And sometimes I'll have a hat on, but like lately I'm going to end up going with like, uh, cause during the pandemic, of course, if you haven't had the mask, I got those neck gaiters. So I have like oh, three yeah. or four of them, but I realize I can easily flip them up, put them in like a headband and then my hair doesn't end up flopping around, but also then I'm not wearing a hat and that thing doesn't fall off as easily. So hey, anyway, it's going to be a win come uh rock fest in Blue Ridge along with potential riot fest as well. So woo. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, any, like, even here, we've gotten some bands starting to announce that they're coming to do some shows, not necessarily in the summer, but more towards the fall. So, you know, fingers crossed for us as well, for sure. But it's a start, though. It breeds hope. It breeds optimism to the pa- to the mm-hmm. point where you guys are going to be able to get to see some live shows and for you guys get back on stage at some point. I mm-hmm. mean, if you take a look over here in the U.S. where when stuff was 
start still, still kind of like, are we going to open up? Are we not going to open up? There were some bands that were starting to announce things like Ginger announced their full US run. They reannounced it back in March and no one knew what the hell was going on, but they announced it back for like October, November. And all of a sudden stuff starts opening back up again. And now it's like, okay, every single band is coming out with stuff. The festival lines have been coming out over the past couple of months though. But it's just like once like late April hit, all of a sudden it's like every single freaking day. New show, new show, new show, new show, new show. And I'm waiting on one that's like at this moment, like because Shinedown's supposed to play here on September 18th. But I'm waiting for the full Riot Fest lineup to come out to see if Rise Against is going to be playing there. Because I'm like, do I want to see Shinedown or Rise Against for the fourth time in a month? Yeah. But I kind of want to go to Riot Fest again as well. And as much as I enjoy, as much as I want to see Shinedown, I haven't seen Rise Against in two years. If I could see him four times in a month, I'm going to be in fucking heaven. Right. I, I just had one canceled. I was supposed to go see... It was a show with um, Weezer and Green Day and a bunch of other bands were supposed to be playing at the same time. I was supposed to be going yeah. to that, but it just got canceled like two days ago. So The, yeah. the international one got canceled because I know in the U.S. that Hella Mega Tour with Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer. That's the one. Do- yeah, yeah, they're yeah. doing a run around here. They're going to be here in Milwaukee on September 1st. Yeah, it just got like completely – because it's been postponed for like the past year. Yeah. And they just got a notification later saying that they're just refunding the tickets and it's not happening now. So that's kind of sad. It's, it's, it's sad. Like even – even with with sporting events too, like like for example, in in Formula One, the the Montreal Grand Prix is always one of the most like anticipated races. It's it's really fun to watch or whatever for the fans and stuff. And uh, it's just just you know because simply because you know organizers just don't know what's happening here, and you know what I mean. Like we're in lockdown, lift restrictions are being lifted, and we're back down lockdown. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like a lot of things are just staying away. You know what I mean? Trying to focus on places where it's a little bit more certain that they can go and don't have to worry about cancellations, you know? Yeah, so they canceled that, but like for IndyCar series, again, that's not Formula One, but open wheel racing as well. The big race, Indy 500s over Memorial Day weekend or last weekend in May here in the United States. And it's a it's a full go. And um, of course, podcasts will come out after that fact, but my dad, my brother and I are going to be going to that race. So yeah. it's 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 weird, of course, seeing the disparity in it. But uh, Rob, if you do get a chance and they do open up the boards by that time, and you want to go see that Green Day Weezer Fallout Boy show, come to the Milwaukee one. I'll and just let me know. I'll I'll let you crash on the tiny couch I got in here for the night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> see, look at me helping. All right, guys. Before we really jump into even more good stuff. I always like to start the podcast this way, but of course, it always either comes like right at the beginning of it or in the next like 10, 20 minutes, just depending upon how we start rolling. But I always start by asking three separate questions to get everyone listening, to get to know you guys a little bit more. The first two questions, these questions are easy as all hell. Very simple. If you mess these up, I'm going to ask, how the hell did you mess these up? But that third one is my favorite because it kind of puts you on the spot and it always is usually the most intriguing part of the podcast outside of the music so the two three questions are what is your name when it comes to the lookout service what do you do and the third one now this is my favorite i want to know a little fun fact or a little fun wacky story about yourself can be personal can be with the band as well that will hopefully make me fall out of my chair laughing hysterically because i have heard ones about band members chloroforming each other dragging them to the beach burying them halfway in the sand and pretending like their legs are caught by a shark 
Um, I've heard stories of the hindered bassist lighting his balls on fire because it's funny. I've also heard stories of people or van, like stories of like, you know, traveling, like, you know, everyone's in the van on tour that you got to go take a pee, but you can't really go outside because the van's when you got to be at a certain time. So you go pee in a cup guys throw out the window and ends up coming back through the back window, hits the drummer in the face. So literally a drive by pissing happening. Um, and those usually get me to fall out of my chair laughing. So if you guys got a story like that, just. Take it away. Whoever wants to go first. Okay. Uh, so I'll start. Yeah. Uh, so my name is Sturgios. I, uh, I sing, I play guitar in the band, the lookout service and a funny or wacky story. Um, oh, okay. Um, well, cause I, I don't know how to read music at all. Like I took music in high school, um, for, two, three years. I took it in elementary school as well. And I had all this training and, and it, I don't know, it just didn't stick. Like I didn't understand it. I wasn't very good at it. And, um, so in high school, when I, when I started playing in bands, I, it, it, I think it was like the 11th grade. Um, I had this music teacher, his name was Mr. Fanning. Um, and, and he, like, as part of your grade 11 music grade, you had to join one of the three school bands. So, uh, there was, there was a drum line, there was a jazz band. What was the last one? Uh, there was, there's strings as well. And like an orchestra, like an orchestra band, right? So you're playing like more classical and then there was like more jazz swing type tunes. And then the drum line was a straight thing. So. I remember in high school, I got in a load of shit because I tried to convince my teacher to give me, because I was, I was in a, like, I was making my own band and I was, it was like, like Rob and I were in this band before the lookout service started. And I was trying, I was like begging this guy. I'm like, you got to give me these extra points for the lookout service band. You know what I mean? Like, just, just cut me some slack. And I remember getting in so much shit because we had a gig the same day as um as like a as like a like a recital performance for the drum line and i remember i didn't show i oh you know what it was it was it was a friday night lights football game and my band was playing the halftime show (laughs) and then at the fucking end of the at the end of the show the fucking drum line came out and played their thing it was just like me doing the walk of shame past my teacher because he was like you know i was supposed to be there with them but i had my own band going on so it was kind of me going like this but, <laughs> but, uh, you know that's that's high school for you right high school bands get away with that kind of shit no absolutely i mean if, if i tried something that shit especially like okay you know i'm i got a full-time job it's like okay i gotta do some shit here i gotta go and uh quickly do this one thing during the day but you actually have a project to work and you have to be clocked in i just kind of like nah fuck that I mean, I'd probably get fired if it was high school, though. I mean, what what the hell can they actually say? But the one thing that surprised me is it's a music like it's a music class. You're taking different classes. But one of the parts of the requirement is that you join a band. So you show some sort of kind of collaboration. And I get the fact they want you to join a school band. But if you're already working on something independently, wouldn't that as a school that's like, you know, if you're trying to push music, if you're trying to like help people grow into music and help them expand the musical horizon, potentially build on that as a part of their life and someone's already trying to do that on their own, why would you want to, you know, destroy that? Wouldn't you want to foster something on that? Wouldn't you want to aid that along? Because that's only going to end up, you know, helping them out down the line because they're trying something on their own. If you force them into something like drumline or like jazz band or like this or- orchestral kind of thing, but they're, they they want to make their own kind of music and they're already doing that, 
they're gonna if you force them in that drum line or that orchestral band or that jazz band they might end up hating it and then go a completely different route and then potentially looking back you know regretting the fact that they kind of played it safe because when they were in high school they were forced to do something that they didn't want to do in terms of in terms of music yeah i mean like you know it wasn't it was one of those things where it's I, I think they they want to keep tabs on you. I'm sure Rob can Rob can say like they want to keep tabs on you because they want to monitor your progress, right? Like they want to they obviously want to promote the school programs or whatever and get kids involved in school programs, but they also want to have a close eye on you to make sure that you're not, you know, like when you're in your own band, you could just post a video of yourself like one afternoon and not actually make any progress. But there, you kind of have to show up every week. So I, like I get it. It's yeah, I, to, I I agree with you. I wish there was some way that you could, you know, like we did have teachers at, at our high school who would put on like t- uh, talent shows and battle of the bands for us to play at. But, you know, that's something definitely that if I was a music teacher, I, I instead of pressing like to get all the kids in the class together, because not everybody likes the same kind of music, right? Like there's guys who like rock, there's guys who like jazz, you know, everyone likes everyone likes what they like so it's like go you know start your own collective but rob was in the drum line too he had some I, yeah i'll just i'll just take this time so uh, my name's rob i'm the drummer for the band um, <laughs> yeah so i was actually the not i wasn't just in the drum line i was like the the section leader of the drum line so when we would do we did a bunch of different um like santa claus parades and stuff like that and i was the one that like had to like I was front and center basically, which is not my personality at all. But, um, and I had to like tell everyone what song we we're going to play next, count us all in, make sure everyone was like straight and stuff. So my story is also <laughs> drum line, going to be drum run uh, related. We had one show at our school where this girl, she came up to like the drum line and was like, I, I want you guys to like play something for me. So basically she did, she performed a rap, uh, what, um, God's Plan by Drake at uh, one of our school like concerts, I guess. But she wanted the drum line to play something like in the background. And it started off with her doing the intro for the song. And then I come out on stage with my snare playing a part. And we had the song, like the backing music of the song playing in the background. We were so off time that I it was I had no idea what was going on. No one had any. I was I was just on stage like in the middle, just I had no idea what was happening. And then I remember after we got off stage, I was incredibly embarrassed because of how terrible it was. I, I remember she she comes up to me and is like, "I was looking at your face from the front row, and you just looked so sad the entire time." <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really good like this is at this point i had already been kicked out of the drum line and rob was the section leader yeah. so so i swear to god i was i was like uh, I, I went to go watch the show and, and i remember watching that and thinking like thank god i'm not there oh my god yeah actually even the story that he told i because we were playing, we played that, that that football game. Yeah. And I had to go because I was the leader, so I couldn't not go to the drumline thing. So I had to play with him and then, like, run into the dressing room, get dressed in this drumline uniform, and then, like, run back onto the field. Oh, don't even get me started on the uniforms, man. The was, uniforms were fucking phenomenal. It basically looked like a big stop sign. It was a red, like, I don't even know, like, red jacket with a white stripe going across. 
it's like classic classic like like it's almost like it was from like 1980 you know it like, actually was like <laughs> like you ever seen the movie drumline you know yeah. what i mean with the with the, what's his name uh nick cannon fuck the guy who does the uh the america's got talent or whatever yeah He's nick like cannon the guy who's on the side stage i forget his name nick cannon Nick Cannon, yeah, we're, and it was like it was like the uniforms from that, man. Yeah, Jesus Christ, yeah, I mean that's that's just kind of funny though. Just because I keep thinking, because right when you were talking about those uniforms, that was the first thing I was thinking. I was thinking, let's take the uniforms from Drumline, but let's make them older by twenty years than when that movie was made. Because that movie came out in what two thousand two, two thousand three, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an early two thousands movie for sure, and I, and kind of that point as well, kind of what you guys are talking about with. Because even when I was in uh, grade school and middle school, because I was in the school band as well, I was uh, playing drums. I was learning the singing. I was damn good at it too. As right. like a, in like fifth grade, all of a sudden, it's like, all right, let's see what the let's see what the fifth graders are doing. I'm like, okay, there's me just going nuts, and everyone else just like kind of like because of course the full orchestra band, you get the clarinets, the flutes, and and you just hear all of a sudden just whoo, and then just hearing this snare in the back because <laughs> I had no concept of not hitting it hard. Like I had no concept of it. And then of course, as we go along further, it's like, okay, I'm still doing this here. I'm getting bored with it. And all of a sudden, okay, you know, here comes this, uh, let's, let's start, let's bring in a, uh, let's bring in a drum kit for like a jazz band. Okay, cool. I play it. I'm like, this is not as heavy as I wanted it to be. Right. And I, and I kept telling my, like the guy that was like, Hey, can we bring in something heavier, something heavier, something more rock oriented? Like, Oh yeah, we're going to do a jazz band version of, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, no, 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 no. Can we get something more like what is more popular today? And he's like, well, what are you listening to today? And I just blurred out disturbed. <laughs> he just like means like there, no. And I'm just thinking, well, fuck this shit. So yeah. I end up getting uh, working with somebody else. And I completely left that school bank. And I'm, like, and I'm working with someone else. We're playing stuff like uh, Judas Priest. We're playing Green Day. I, for, for the love of God, I think there's a lot of it that I forgot because I stopped playing when I was 14 because I wanted to play soccer instead. I could only I had to pick one or the other. And I was more into sports at that point. But I still remember the intro to Chop Suey. It's still stuck in my brain. I can't get it out of my brain. And I'm like, if I ever start drumming again, if I ever buy an e-kit, that's be the first thing I do is I'm going to relearn Chop Suey because I, it's still like the intro. I can still remember that one in a two again. One in a two. Yeah, I still remember every step of the way. But if it was somewhere, I probably would have fought. I probably would have gone even further into it had I been more in kind of like more working with that rock and metal style earlier on. Cause even though at like time I was listening to like, you know, whatever the pot was popular, like 2005, because I wanted to fit in. Um, also for everyone that's listening, fitting in, fuck that shit. Trust me on that. I, I became a lot happier when all of a sudden I'm like, you know, let's just start listening to what I want to listen to. And all of a sudden everyone thought I was a demon child up a Catholic middle school. I went to, cause I listened to disturbed all the time. It was fun. But again, it just, if we would have gone, gone towards down that path, like, is it, like also for music teachers, well, if you kind of go towards the path of where your students are going and really foster what they enjoy, you're going to make it a much more enjoyable experience for them. And they're going to really take off with their musical creativity because of that. Yeah, so I kind of have something similar. Like when I started, when I first started playing drums, I pretty much only played songs that, like, I would play like Rush, Green Day, Chili Peppers, all that kind of stuff. And then, to be fair, with with this T-shirt that we're both talking about, the guy who was like running these classes in the drum line, he actually because that was late. Like, I had already been playing drums for like six or seven years at that point, and I know I was never really like into jazz or blues or anything. And he started like showing it to me and like showing me all these jazz drummers that are they're just they're just the best drummers in the world. And I never really knew and never really cared enough. 
but then he actually like showed me them and then I started getting more into jazz and it's really important to you yeah yeah jazz drumming is just some of the some of the best that there is really see I can understand that but like on my own I was doing it just because the sound didn't really resonate well with me it was kind of yeah. hard to get into yeah, yeah so, but when you brought up yeah. yeah. but I was like when you brought up like trying to play rush songs I'm like thinking you know Neil Peart stands alone so because yeah. I got to see rush live once back in like fuck was that like 2013 yeah and i remember the whole entire time there's a whole entire huge stage thing going on my eyes are just glued on neil Pert. i'm like how the fuck is he doing that yeah I, i've gone i've seen them three times live uh totally yeah that was the first the first concert i ever went to was it was called the time machine tour i, I forget what year it was i think it was like 2011 2012 and yeah because they're the reason why i started playing drums in the first place and so yeah, that was really cool Especially like the big solo parts that are like ten minutes long, where it's just him. Yeah, and you have no idea how the fuck he's doing any of that. Yeah. It's it's like it's like if I was thinking like you need like six arms just to do what he's doing with two. Facts. It's it's ridiculous, but I but I mean that's one thing that kind of got me suckered into drums too was just watching Neil Perm like holy fucking shit, how the hell is this possible? And then all of a sudden, once I stopped playing music and was playing soccer all the time, it was like. Okay, am I gonna get out of it? Uh, no, that's when me absolutely fought like going crazy listening to like Rise Against and then getting to stuff like back into Three Days Grace, getting to more Papa Roach as well at the time, still into Disturbed, a little bit more Lincoln Park as well, and then Hollywood Undead. I'm like, this is where like that's when it like really fully started. Even when I got out of actually playing music, I'm like, I'm listening even more of this shit. And then all of a sudden it's all right, let's go to college, let's do what uh let's let's do that normal thing. And then let's try and get an adult job. And after that, after like two months, I'm like yeah, this fucking sucks. I want to do something for myself. And it took me a while to get here, but boom. Now I get to do everything I love with music, except actually play it because I probably can't anymore. And it's never too late to start, right? Like, you can, all you got to do is just get an instrument and play. Like that, I was going to say, I was going to mention the one thing that's sometimes tough about the school program of music is that, you know, depending on the program that you're in, like we were lucky. We had access to a lot of instruments. We had access drums, guitars, you know, electric guitars, electric bass. So anything you, everything you really needed to put a band together, right? The music teachers, you know, you know, we messed with them, but they were actually, they were, they were really nice to us. They let us borrow instruments, take instruments home and use the amps and stuff and use the space as practice time during lunch hour or whatever. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, like realize that you really have uh, you're really lucky you know what i mean i know a lot of schools that don't have any musical instruments you know what i mean and their music programs are absolutely terrible and the music teacher comes and doesn't give a fuck you know what i mean he'll just go and you know teach them teach them the base base whatever the uh, teach the basics yeah basics (laughs) the um, the basics and and get the fuck out of there he doesn't care you know so we, you know, for, 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 you know, for what it's worth, then we, we did benefit a lot from the music programs that we had. So that kind of helped us, you know, even, even though like I can't read music now, <laughs> um, it still helped us kind of intrinsically to become better musicians. You know what I mean? Dude, some of the greatest musicians of all times have no fucking clue how to read music. I remember I, I heard a story from my friend, Kathy, she's one of the biggest Disturbed fans I've ever met in my entire life. I've actually seen two Disturbed shows with her. And she's friends with all the guys in the band as well. And she was telling me the story about how 
during one of the meet and greets, one guy asked uh, their guitarist, Dan Donegan, basically it's like, do you have any like sheet music for, I believe it was for inside the fire. Cause the guy wanted to learn how to play it. And Dan Strip told me, he's like, dude, I didn't, don't write any sheet music. I can't even read that shit. Everything I, I write it and it just sticks in my head. And he's like, I don't even know how the, like, if you ask me what note I'm playing, he's like, I don't even know what note is, what a note it is. I just know it sounds right. But he's like, there's probably you can go online and find someone that has like the guitar tab written out to perfection as well. But it's just, it, it depends upon your brain though. I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking of anyone who strictly goes off of sheet music or people that don't do it. What I'm saying is, you have to know what works within your head because everyone's brain is wired completely differently where you notice different things, where different things connect with one another. So if you connect with just the sound of the music and you can write off of that and just work with it and memorize where you're like, kind of like, okay, you know where your hands have to be on the guitar or you know what you have to hit on the drums in order to just make the song you want to make. And it just feels natural without even writing anything down on sheet music. By all means, go for it. If that's what works out best for you, go for it. That's that's part of the way that like our band works, right? Like, like uh, you know, Rob Rob has been you know studying, stud not studying, but he's, well, I was studying really. I took drum lessons for like seven years. Right. Yeah. So you know, like uh, I'll come to him with a skeleton of an idea usually, and he'll help me piece it together. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of that's that's you know you got to work with what you got at the end of the day, right? Exactly. You got to work with what you have. You have to work with what you understand. And kind of going back to what you said about the music teachers too, it, it seems like there's three different kinds of music teachers in a way. There's the good, there's the bad ones, the good ones, and the great ones. The bad ones are the ones that are just kind of there that really are just, like, just don't really, they're, they're there for a paycheck in a way. Sure. Because right? I know there are people that are there. And the, the good ones are the ones that will show, that will teach you the basics that will allow you to expand on your horizons the great ones will do that as well. The great ones will kind of go above and beyond because I know, of course, excuse me, school curriculum will get in the way. School administrators will get in the way because of politics, money, and they want to make sure everything looks good so that enrollment goes up. But the great ones will end up kind of finding a way to circumvent that and help kids just continue to go down their musical dreams and their musical path and just explore that because, hell, not everyone's going to be built out to be a musician. Like, you know, a touring musician going on the road, being a rock band, maybe you're more in a pop country, hip hop, whatever it might be, but you might find something in there that perfectly fits with you. Maybe like if you're a drummer, maybe instead of going out, you don't want to go out and play live, but you know, you're a great drummer anyway. You could be a session drummer. It could easily happen like something like that, but it's just that openness and that willingness, like all of a sudden, like kind of like that drum, drum line, the orchestral band, the jazz band, if that's not really your style, but you have to be a part of one of those three Sometimes those teachers say like, oh yeah, he's part of that. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he's not really part of that because he's got his own freaking band that he's working on. Kids playing gigs three nights a week in town. And it's like, you want to see some progress? The kid's playing three nights a week outside of here. Like he's living this. Yeah. Why would it, like, why would you want to force him away from that or her away from that for that matter? Yeah, for sure. One of the cool things that this, the music teacher was talking about, one of the cooler things that he did was, um, in grade 12 because he was really big on like playing outside of school as well and he made a, a he it was like it was a project that we had to do so like that kind of takes away from it but like the the project was to get in touch with like a uh local like like state band so like you have like drums trumpets like that kind of that kind of stuff 
get or like a jazz band basically like get in touch with one of them and like go to one of their practices and like play with them so we had like all of us in our class there was only like eight of us but we all went out one night to this uh i forget what they're called but this like toronto stage band it was all like they're all like pretty old most of the people there but it was actually really cool because like these people i they're such a we we listened to them play a few songs and they played them all like perfectly and then I remember one of the kids in my class asked the guy he was sitting beside, like, how long have you, had, like, have you guys been playing these songs? Well, like, never. This is the first time we've ever seen any of these songs. And it just it actually just blew my mind because they played it perfectly every single time. And it was all basically just on the spot, reading the music, just being great at what they do. So, yeah, that was one of the cooler things that we did in school, I think, for music. It's another completely different the level of musicianship right like there are that's why that's why music is such a beautiful thing because you can have polar opposites even in the same genre you know what i mean like you can have technical bands and you can have bands that are just uh focusing purely on a message or an emotion you know what i mean or you can have bands that have the aesthetic going for them and are you know like uh you know the bands that are using sex to sell they have their own category like there's kind of you know, as long as you kind of work at your craft, I think your personality is going to end up shining through. And that's what people end up connecting with. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'll take a look at I'll bring up four of my favorite bands specifically to kind of go off on that. Uh, look at Ice Nine Kills, for example. Yes, yeah, more visceral, heavy metalcore. But instead of really talking about a message, they bring in more of this storytelling mode, especially with the horror tropes and all the classic horror inspiration behind it. And their set and their image really plays off of that. So it's it's something that's completely different than my favorite band, Rise Against, where you're going to have more of this punk rock, more po- uh, political, poetic message to it, but it's still going to be hard, heavy up front. Then you got Disturb, where it's going to have more of that like new metal-ish sound, more of that driven forward. But of course... I, I mean, David Drimmon's vocal, that prophetic voice is a selling point. You can go to Hollywood Undead where you're getting that like, what is it, like crunk core with like that rap rock, rap rock, rap metal mix in there. I mean, it's a little bit different now in 2021 than it was back when they came out with Swan Songs and American Tragedy. But it's still, it's you see, you're seeing all these different sounds that really fit in that, again, that rock and metal category from many different places. But it's, they're all similar in a way where, again, I could go to a festival and I could easily see all four of those bands being on the bill in one day and it not seeming weird at all. Hell, right. I could see them yeah. being on the bill together for like some kind of tour and it wouldn't seem weird. But it, and it makes total sense with that because it's, I, I do think, I do like what your teacher did with that in a way as well, where kind of forcing you guys to get out of your comfort zone and actually yeah. go and play with other musicians to see what else happens. Because I remember back when I was in college as well, I took this one class and the whole, one of the assignments was, get it or get it or talk with someone who owns a local business that makes $2 million or more per year and talk to them about their business. Now, a lot of people were freaked out by this. And the guy said, you know, if you have a way to, you know, contact Prince, because I went to the university of Minnesota, this is 2015. He's like, go for it. And now looking back and I'm like, damn, I really should have tried that. Especially with what I like, if I could go back and like put my 26 year old brain in my 20 year old brain, I could probably make that happen. It's really weird. But I was focus more and on like where my kind of idea of my life was kind of going, which was completely not where it was going to end up going, but it was like more corporate. But I was also working with a lot of like beer companies as well. That was where my summer jobs were. So I tried to find a local craft brewery that was making more than $2 million. And I emailed and contacted 35 of them. I had two responses. One was not at this time. And the other one was, 
yeah, can you meet us at 8 a.m. at this coffee shop like that, like that next day? I'm like, fuck yeah, okay, why not? And I was there, I was only supposed to be there for an hour. I was there for four. I was just having too much fun with it. Right, yeah. I mean, look, you, whatever you're passionate about, right? You gotta put effort in. Absolutely. I think that's kind of the big thing that your teacher there wanted to instill you is like, if, you, if you're passionate about it, you've got to put the effort in to connect with other musicians in the scene because in the end, I know there's sometimes a lot of, there's some animosity that can happen between bands. Like, oh, we want to be bigger than this band. So there's some sort of just like rivalry that happens. But if you're good and they're good, you're going to both end up lifting each other up. So it's kind of like a, it's not like we're all on different, it's like we're all in different groups. But we're all on the same team. It's like, we're, it's kind of like, think about baseball. It's we're all in different positions. Like I might be in right field. You might be playing shortstop, but hell, we're both on the same team. So why the fuck aren't we going to support each other? Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned you played, you played soccer. What kind of, like, uh, cause I'm one of my, one of my closest friends. He's also a big soccer player. I got, I got another friend from high school. He's down. He's playing for, um, Mercyhurst. I don't know if you heard the Mercyhurst Uni- University. He's playing soccer for their team. I think I can't remember where where they are. He's playing down in the states. Like a lot of a lot of my friends here, from, they go down to the states to play to play soccer. You know what I mean? So it's it's pretty 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 interesting. Okay, um, Mercyhurst does ring a bell though. Might have had something where because at, at the University of Minnesota we didn't have a D one team. It was for the men, for men's soccer. We only had a club team. Mm-hmm. And I never really, I never really played games with them because it did cost money and I didn't have the money to play with them. But whenever they would practice, I always ended like my junior senior, I always ended up practicing with them because I would just like, cause I, I'd go there, but I ended up pushing the hell out of them too. Just because I was just, I, it was something where already let's go and do this. And all of a sudden 45 minutes later, some of these guys are getting gas and I'm still fucking going. And yeah. now I'm, I'm I can, if I once, I mean, the stuff starting to open back up again, of course, soccer starting to get going back. I'm playing once again and it's getting the, it's to the point where I'm like, I'm playing with my friends on certain teams I've been playing with for a couple of years after the pandemic, I realized something. I'm the only one that stayed in shape Yeah, and it's, it's, it gets rough at times. Cause I'm like, okay, what it's like when I need a break after like, cause if we're playing indoor or something, I mean, it's, it's definitely different than playing outdoor cause playing out a whole game outdoor on a full field. For me, it's that's 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 rather simple because usually I'm playing defense at that point. Indoor though, I gotta go everywhere. Like it's you, it's, yeah, it's six I mean, high and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So at, at at like ten minutes like of time, I mean, I'm sprinting up and down like crazy. Like I gotta get at least like a two two and a half minute break just to maybe get some you know get some water, get some Gatorade, and get going. I go out for like thirty seconds and someone's already begging for a sum. I'm like, well, fuck, here we go again, and I gotta get right back in there. Like, I get no time to just chill. It's like, I need a little bit of a break. Can we need you back in here? Fuck, let's go. That's how I, that's how I got into music. Like both Rob and I, we both played like since we were small, right? Yeah. Playing soccer. Um, but yeah, like I I was I was playing soccer for a team too when I was like thirteen or whatever, and I. I got a pretty like serious back injury and I had to take a couple of years off. And in those couple of years, you're kind of like, what do I do now? You know what I mean? And then that's when I discovered the band room. And I was like, what's that fucking sound? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I went in there and then that's how I kind of went and picked up the guitar. And well, actually I actually started on the bass, played the bass for a couple of years. And then when I started, when I started writing my own songs, I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I, maybe I should tra- transition over to the guitar. It sounds a little bit more, it's it sounds it's it's a little bit easier to write songs on, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, your videos. I can still hear you guys though. So if you guys get that fixed, then we can keep going off on talking and whatnot. And we might have lost him a little bit. Huh? Alright, I think I got him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, not the not the first time I've had some sort of glitch. There was one time I was on a Oh my, it says my internet connection's unstable. Yippee, this happens like twice. And I get it pissed off every time it happens. But hopefully not it's gonna happen anymore. But uh yeah, because there's been times where all of a sudden I've had bands where it's like we've been on like seven minutes. It's like this was one time. Every seven minutes they'd cut out for a minute and a half. Yeah. Every seven minutes. Yeah, and the first time, the first seven minutes, I'm like, oh shit, I can't believe this happened. After that, it was like every time it happened, I kind of timed it, so I would literally do like a promotion for the band yeah. within that time frame. It got to be pretty funny, but we've been talking a lot about just life, about you guys getting into music, different like going through high school with musical classes, and then also shooting the shit a little bit. But of course, the big reason why we're here is due to the fact that your band, The Lookout Service. The two of you, again, reach out to me with your brand new song, Shut Me Out. So one thing I got to ask is when it comes to Lookout Service, how did you guys come up with the style of music that you came up with? Because after listening to Shut Me Out and a couple of the other songs, I kind of was trying to figure out how I could describe it to everybody. And it, I kind of described it as like gritty indie garage rock. Because I know indie rock, it kind of has this like more smooth kind of like in like alternative kind of poppy flow to it but it wasn't that it didn't have any of that so i'm like i'm trying to figure out how it feels like it definitely feels like more like gritty kind of like again garage rock to the point where it has more of this just rougher base to it so it's not necessarily all polished and smooth over it definitely has more of a raw feel to it yeah um yeah what do you think uh <laughs> um i don't know <laughs> like a lot of the the ways that we write our songs is usually he comes in with like a guitar part and then I just do something in behind that and then we like we go from there like the part that he comes in with will usually be like a verse or or a chorus or like either way around and then we'll go from there write different stuff but like I mean yeah the, the style in terms of that that's that's more that's more him than me I guess and I just kind of do what I've been doing my whole life in the background basically uh yeah i think i think at least at least for shut me out because um because it kind of switched to that two man like it's a two man lineup now so you know for for me the the song as you said it, it i think part of the reason why it's got that kind of loose rough feels because a lot of it was recorded in live takes like the major the like the majority of uh the the majority of the songs that like even right now like we're we're still in the studio like we're working on basically like kind of like our first ep which is hopefully going to be out later in the year but when we were doing shut me out we're like okay we're going to do this the way they did this you know 40 50 years ago when like almost like trying to get into that mindset almost like if it was like a tape machine you know what i mean or or if you were recording it straight to wax like you only have a certain amount of takes right so rob and i we did a lot of prep going into recording kind of really excessively practicing with like a metronome trying to get all our timing right and stuff and then uh, the producer that we worked with name is luke was really brilliant because he kind of he kind of recognized that and I think that's what the best producers do is they can kind of tell the way the band is, the 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 mindset of the band, and they they 
how to exploit it to the best of their ability. You know what I mean? And how to really, um, how to get, get the best performance on the record. You know what I mean? And for us, it was trying to do it from top to bottom in the best way that we could. You know what I mean? And this song, this song, I think that that's really what happens because when, when you're, when you're really feeling it, when you're really gelling together, especially because it's only two guys, right? You can kind of look at each other and it's like, okay, okay, now, you know, or yeah. like, like shit like that. So. Well, kind of going off what Rob says, well, I mean, uh, Sergio, so if you're the one that's really creating a lot of this and then Rob's in the background kind of coming up with stuff that like kind of complement what you're coming up, up with, especially on the guitar, it does make sense to the fact that he's just trying to give, get a feel for what you're trying to drive after and isn't trying to force something in there that maybe shouldn't be in there. Just letting everything happen naturally to the point where you're going to have a more natural flowing song where the energy flow from one section to the other is going to make sense. So that you're not trying to like go do something completely crazy. Where of course, if you want to try going to do something completely crazy, by all means, go for it because sometimes it might work. But if it feels forced in there and it doesn't feel right as an audience, we can easily tell that. And that's the point of the song where we're kind of like gonna back out and be like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, what was kind of going on here? And when I go through music as well, especially when I do like album reviews or deep dives or song deep dives on the podcast, it depth. I definitely look at a lot of this stuff when it comes to. Because when it comes to like knowing the exact terminology, when it comes to music or understanding, you know, what, like exactly, okay, what note here, what note here. I don't know any fucking clue about any of that. What I do understand is how different sounds progress, how the energy flow works, how different sounds compare and contrast each other. If that comparison is there, how does that flow together? If that contrast is there, how does it amplify both pieces and on an opposite side to really bring out the power or even the flow of the song or the energy of the song? How does everything work together? How do the vocals go over that? How does the meaning of the song tie into all this in order to really give this song a story, a message kind of flow? And then overall, how does it all like kind of come together? So I do understand that. But I do have to ask, was it your decision to record this on tape or was it the producer's decision, especially with, I know everything is mostly recorded digitally these days, but I do know some people that at some points in time will go back to the older style and record on tape just to try and get maybe a little bit more of an older, more classical kind of sound on the recording. A great example of that being uh, the Wasting Light Down by the Foo Fighters. Yeah, uh, I, we didn't actually record it to tape, but we just we took the mindset of like we were recording. Like it is still digitally recorded. Okay. It's extremely expensive to go and get get tape machine, and it, it's time consuming as well. You know what I mean? So we did we did we did use like modern technology, but we just wanted to implement that kind of old world mindset of like there's a certain level of professionalism you have to have. You know what I mean? Like if a, if you're working with the producer and the producer's in there and he's and he's fixing your mistakes, I think that's not really the right headspace. You're not in the right headspace. You don't want to go in there and cover up something. You want to be going in there and showcasing the best performance of this song, something that'll, you know what I mean? Like something that'll really last. And then the producer's job is to make sure that idea comes comes through clear and 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 uh, and and sonically it's there you know what i mean like the, it's not the producer's job to make sure that you can play the fucking song like you're the musician <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like but uh, different again we're we're in that genre where it's also very possible you know what i mean we got that kind of a loose feel you know like if you go i'm sure it's it's not that easy if you go into a genre like 
like even metal, you know what I mean? Like metal, you kind of want everything a little bit more to the grid. Um, simply because like you kind of, when, when, you know, when one thing's to the grid, everything's got to be to the grid. But when there's, when there's just two guys you can kind of get away with it with, with a little bit of like a head nod or whatever. Yeah, or like jump to another sound like pop or hip hop and rap where you're going to have a lot of electronic inclusion over the top of it as well, or even as the bass. So a lot of times it's going to be completely different on that front because you're not going to really have that grease out. You're going to definitely have that smoother part over it. However, I kind of like the mindset you guys have using that, you know, you're using modern technology to bring that old world mindset into it because I think at, at times you're going to be making the producer's job a lot easier, but a lot more enjoyable as well because they're there to help bring your vision to light and you want them to use like bring your vision to light but focus on the positives and it's gonna be more fun for them to really amplify what's good instead of trying to smooth out and cover up what is not so good that's right so i do totally understand that and hopefully that i i have talked to a couple of musicians and that are also producers on this podcast as well and usually i never bring up something like that because again i'm I kind of always go as kind of how the conversation goes, but also with other producers as well, I hear different stories about them and it's always about how they get the most out of their musicians in terms of kind of that kind of going around that same realm so that when it comes to amplify, when it comes to like producing and mixing everything, you're working on amplifying the good parts because the not so good parts are already kind of could be that, you know, might you need to cover up in certain takes already covered up because the artist or the musician that's recording it is working on making sure that those parts that might not necessarily be the strongest points of the song are done well enough so that they're not going to take away from those high points. For sure. Because sure. of course, uh, every single song is going to have a certain ebb and flow to it. And even on like, even on some of my favorite songs, of course there's parts that stand out much more than parts that don't stand out as much. But it's those parts that don't stand out as much. They're not taking away completely from the parts that are staying out as much. I mean, uh, let's see. I think of a good example. Take a look at In the End by Linkin Park because you have Mike Shinoda's raps in the first and with the style they go on with that. Then you have the chorus, but then you have the bridge with Chester as well. I mean, there's certain times that things are going to stand out where that softer first part of the bridge with Chester isn't going to stand out as much as more of the rougher second half of that. But that softer first half is going to lead you into that second half a lot better. And it's going to amplify that second half on a contrast standpoint. So it's kind of like that part could be potentially weaker, but the artists do such a good job in order to make sure that that part isn't at, isn't going to be weak so that when you're amp, when you're mixing everything as a producer, you're, you're working on the song to really bring the vision to light. You're focusing on amplifying the best parts and not worrying about, okay, this part was not done very well, so we have to cover this up to make sure everything is ship shape on it. It's, okay, this part is done well, so we can focus on the good parts and really bring those to light so that you do get a song that is as big of a monstrous hit as in the end was. For sure. I remember when we were talking with Rob, like when we first started, we were even considering like just to, to get – uh, as real of a feel as possible. It's kind of like, you know, do we even want to record with a metronome? You know what I mean? Like, is it all right if we go two, three BPM off, right? Mm. And on some songs, some sometimes naturally that's what happens. You know what I mean? Like if the chorus needs an extra five BPM because you want to get people's head banging, fucking do it. You know what I mean? Like it's music. There are no rules. You know what I mean? If it sounds good, it sounds good. And 
and like I don't know it, specifically the music that I listen to. I don't. I'm not in there. Like Rob's a little bit different for me in that sense because like he can go and you know like figure out like you know let's have this this way because it'll make sense. But I'm like you know if it fucking works, it fucking works. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, take a look at a lot of the other songs as well. It's just, they're going to be different things that happen within them. No songs are going to end up sounding the same. Even like take a look at a couple of albums. I'll use Ice Nine Kills or Silver Scream as an example because there are songs that that, don't, that go from different parts and different ebbs and flows. I mean, two good examples. Take a look at A Grave Mistake and then take a look at It Is The End. Just two completely different styles of songs. But what works out so well with them is just with how naturally they progress forward, how well they're done. And also with with those a little bit as well, just because I'm using Ice Nine Kills as an example, with the base story that they go off of we already know pennywise the clown we know stephen king's it we know the crow we know the whole entire feel of those movies of those stories so bringing that to light in there really does make sense but what i was going to get with you guys to kind of have more of that rougher grittier sound as well what you guys end up doing is again you're willing to try different things you're the musicians it's like what i'm gonna go all bob ross and you'd be like this is your world you're the creator so you can literally do whatever the fuck you want. If you want to try and do something that's like, okay, the chorus had like 10 extra BPMs versus what the verses had. If you want to give it a shot, give it a shot. Because sometimes those real crazy ass things end up working out. Sometimes they don't work out. But if you don't try them, then you never know. Take a look at Popular Mouse by Falling in Reverse, for example. Take a look at all the different styles and the different ebb and flows it goes through. I mean, come on, you go from you go from the chorus and all of a sudden you go to the bridge. I mean, the pace just picks up so much quicker, but it works out so well. It's just the ebb and flow of it works out naturally, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't it doesn't sound like if you describe someone, yeah, it's gonna have this like more kind of like hard rock poster chord, but melodic style chords, but then when you get to the bridge, it's gonna go straight full on like in your face bursty metalcore. It doesn't like without really any full transition except for like a rapid drum pickup. It's like, okay, maybe if you describe it to someone, it doesn't make sense, but then you listen to it, it makes sense. Sometimes the crazy ideas, you write them down on paper, you put them in an idea, and you try and conceptualize it, and it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it does make sense, but sometimes those ones that do make sense on paper in your head, when you play them, just doesn't work out. But sometimes those real wacky, fucked up ones, you give it a shot, and you come up with an absolute masterpiece because of it. And the only way you know it is if you work on it and try it. If you feel like, if you feel like doing it, by all means, Give it a shot. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? You're working on a song. You try. You have a crazy idea for it. You try it, and it doesn't work out. What do you do? Then you go to a different idea. You just you. If you haven't put out yet, you just go to a different idea. You keep working on it. But if it works out, holy shit! You just tried something and it fucking worked. Yeah. Yeah, Rob's got some crazy ideas like that on the drums. On the drums sometimes too, like cool, cool beats. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I'll, I'll just be like, you know, sometimes in practice, I'll be like, okay, I won't even say anything. I'll just start playing like four chords. Rob just starts playing a beat. And we, the first half hour, we don't even talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. seriously, we'll yeah. sit there and we'll just play. Because, you know, that's a, it, one thing that's really cool. A lot of bands can go out and have, you know, a whole hour long set everything's planned every aspect of it you know what i mean but uh i also really like i, I also really like it when a band can come out and you know there's like five thousand people in a crowd and one guy out of the five thousand yells a song really really loud and then the band's like what did he just say and then he'll he'll say the song again and then in front of like the 5,000 people, because they did, they had a set list ready, they'll be like, no, we're going to play that song now. But that guy said, like that to me, 
that's what live music is about, you know? Oh, absolutely. Live music is about, essentially live music is about creating this full-on experience for the people that are there. But what ends up happening is, is from what I know from other musicians, well, it's like, if musicians create a show for people that are going to be at the show, it's the people that are going to be at the show or end up creating the show for the musicians as well. Because right. I'll use a great example. I'll use that motion some white show I talked about earlier where I caught my eye cut completely beforehand. It was two weeks before Halloween in 2019. Yeah, perfect time to see them. But what ended up happening was, was they had that whole entire like trick or treat kind of Halloween vibe aesthetic. But after seeing after the burial, the crowd was just amped up going crazy. And Moshe's and White, they, I think they actually went and didn't play Another Life, even though it was rather popular at the time, because it would have ruined the whole entire ebb and flow of the crowd because everyone was going nuts. Everyone was having a great time. I think they played like three or four songs off of Creatures, even though they're only supposed to play Immaculate Misconception and Abigail. I think they played two others just out of nowhere. But it was because all of a sudden they went out on stage. I forgot what they opened up with, but the crowd was going just absolutely bonkers. And then all of a sudden the next song comes on and now they're going even crazier. And and in the crowd, we're trying to get them amped up even more because it's just that energy feeding frenzy. And then I I think they had a different sales, but like they tweaked a little bit just to kind of go on the fly with it. Like you said, because the show was going in a completely different way than maybe they had expected with the way the crowd was reacting. But by them reacting to the crowd, it made the show so much better. It made the show that much more memorable. I have seen shows where bands kind of just like stood up there, played like 12 songs and then left. I'm like, yeah. and there was like no crowd reaction. I'm like, huh? Well, yeah. do I want to, would I see him again? Probably not because it just listen to the record fun. at home. You know what I mean? Like, I came to see you do some, like, to see what you can do. You know what I mean? Like, I know you can play the songs, but, like, what else, you know? Yeah, and don't, and don't get me wrong. I love seeing bands just go up there and just play their play their asses off without much, like, stage aesthetic. But it all depends upon how the crowd is going to end up reacting to that set. I think Rise Against the perfect example is because their stage set really isn't anything too spectacular, but the energy that they drive just off of that set just drives the crowd into a fucking frenzy versus I'll go with Ice Nine Kills with the whole entire horror aesthetic. I mean, their stage show is something that's completely different, even include Motionless and White in there as well. So you're naturally going to have a different building feel to the live show overall with that. It's two completely different styles that really work out. It When it comes to a live show, it's all about kind of, managing reactions very similar to like working in a like being in a bar or running a bar you're managing reactions so as a band you're managing the reaction of the crowd and you're trying to work off of that and the crowd we're trying to manage the reaction of the band on stage because they're playing the music and then we're seeing what the hell we have to do all of a sudden you know if you're watching bring me the horizon all of a sudden shadow Moses starts playing you know at that moment from the beginning you got to open up that fucking pit because right after the intro concludes and they go into the full-on <laughs> intro breakdown you got to smash into somebody yeah yeah like there i a, a nice uh, like a nice way to put it sometimes like like you don't want to you don't want to like get, it's, it's almost like gimmicks you know what i mean like uh, like you don't for a gimmick to work you, you, you can use them, you know what I mean? But you, you can't let the audit audience understand that it's a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like, like when Jimi Hendrix was playing guitar with his, you know, like humping the guitar or playing it with his teeth, like, yeah, you can call it a gimmick, but it's not a gimmick if you do it really well. You know what I mean? And, 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 and in terms of stage aesthetic, you know what I mean? Like you could call, you could call going up on stage and, you know, 
getting dressed up in all the same kind of clothes. You can call that a gimmick, but it's not a gimmick if it's fucking done well. Like you're you're not gonna say Slipknot is gimmicky because they're all wearing masks. Like, yeah, a mask is a gimmick, but it's fucking Slipknot. When you watch them, you're like in fucking shock. You know exactly. Yeah, like with Slipknot, of course. One of the things that's going to drive you to them initially is like looking at the image gimmick with the mask. You're going to be wondering why the hell they wear masks, but then you go and you go and listen to them, and, and you're you like, understand. Yeah, "Yeah, and you understand." Ice Nine kills with the whole entire horror trope as well. Uh, Most of with the whole entire gothic trope. I'll even throw in Guar in there because Guar goes with all those like complete monsters from hell. I don't really, I don't listen to really any of Guar's music, but if I get a chance to go see them live, just because of how much fun their live show is. Right. I'm going oh. to see it. Other band that has a gigantic gimmick, but I would love to go see live. This might be a little controversial to some people, but I don't give a shit. Is baby metal because even though I'm not really into the whole entire like Japanese pop culture kind of style, the energy that that brings to a live show, adding metal on topics, and you're all of a sudden getting like massive pits in there, just people going crazy. That high energy style, I feed off of that like crazy. So I'm like, you know, I get there's a huge gimmick behind it, but. Holy shit, I want to go to that show because of how that crowd reacts to everything. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not a gimmick if the crowd's feeling it, right? Like, like you know, when you're, when, when you're starting out as a band, you kinda, you're kind of learning what you want to say. Like, I remember one, one gimmick that I used to use, and it's something very similar. It's, it's something you just you would go and you would introduce the members of your band. You know what I mean? But when you're really small, it's... It, 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 Nobody wants to hear it. You know what I mean? They want to see something cool. Like no one cares who the other fucking five members of your indie band who play shows in your garage are. Like nobody cares, right? Like like save that for down the road and come up with something. Come up with something original if you can. You know what I mean? Because you know I I'm not gonna lie. Like I I swiped that off of Led Zeppelin. I saw this one Led uh, this one uh, video where Led Zeppelin would introduce all the members of their band. I'm like oh, that's something that we can add to the live show. But because it's not original, it becomes gimmicky. And when it becomes gimmicky, people don't feel it. And when people don't feel it, you know, that's that's when you're in trouble. It's if you can create something that's, you know, even if it's a gimmick, but also works within your own self as well, it does work out. Another one I'll throw up is um, when I talked to Mixie from Stitch Up Heart, because she was talking about how at times, like at music festivals, they'll buy giant inflatable floaties and she'll crowd surf on top of them. But she's like, I, but she said, I don't want to pull that out every time to make that a full on gimmick. She wants to make it, you know, keep it a special thing. And like at a, at a festival setting, you're going to have more people there and it's going to end up drawing more attention to your band for the people that might be kind of half and half on the band. If they're, if you're going to a live show and they're like headline or they're opening or in the middle of the, or in the middle of the bill, people are buying tickets and they know they're going to see them. So it's like kind of, it's, it's just the whole thought process behind it to understand that gimmicks do work. Yeah. Slip, Slipknot, sure. Guar, Ice Nine Kills, Most White, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, Baby Metal, uh, Poppy even with her popularity starting to rise. Again, gimmicks work, but the fact of the matter is, is the gimmick has to feel authentic, but also the gimmick can't be the entire thing. Because if the gimmick is the entire thing, then bands get lost in the show. Then then the bands are going to be like, you know, it's like a one-trick pony. Like the band, uh, the hardcore band, Oakley Doakley. Because everyone dresses up as, like, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. And, but I'm like, that's kind of, like that's cool and everything. Like, it's definitely going to make me interested. But once you but, see it, 
but but I but I'm not gonna go and like it doesn't make me want to go and listen to their music really that much. Yeah. Like with like, Guar is an example of that too, where it's like I look at him like holy shit, that looks completely insane. It doesn't make me want to go and listen to Guar, but it does make me want to go and see a live show and see what the hell happens. Like right. and like and like again, like I said with Guar, I'm not gonna really listen to their music out like on my own. But if I get a chance to go see them live, I'm fucking going. <laughs> right, right. So it's it's a whole kind of aesthetic, but I like the way that you talked about it as well, where you ha- it's if you're gonna bring up something that's kind of gimmicky, you can use it, but make sure that it's a authentic and b that it's not gonna be the basis of the it's gonna it's gonna be something that might draw the you into the band, but it's not gonna be the whole entire full identity like like Slipknot, they, like yes they they, they wear the mask, but. That's not their full identity. I mean, the music is their full identity. Ice Nine Kills is a little bit more on the extreme with that, where it's like, yeah, the horror trope, everything around that is kind of more of the identity. They really lean into that. But then you listen to the music and you're just like, this is fucking dynamic as hell. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it all depends. It all depends. But when it comes to live shows, I know you said, you ca- did you have something like that you were thinking of after like you noticed like, okay, I'm not going to introduce everybody because that's not original? Do you have something else that you worked on in mind? Well, yeah, I mean, the shows that we play, we, we really like playing like this small club shows, you know what I mean? Um, and in those small clubs, the beautiful thing is that you can really see the people who are there in the, the concert. And, uh, you know, I, I found the simple thing is just looking into the eyes of the people who are watching you, you know what I mean? It could be really off-putting. Some people, some, sometimes people don't want to look you in the eye, like when you're like you're singing, especially when you're really close. I'm, I'm staring everybody in the eyes, and that, and that kind of that kind of is, is, is something that that you know. The more I played, it was one of the things that felt really natural. Um, you know, like someone who's the the king the king of feeling out the crowd is Elvis. You know what I mean? Like Elvis is one of those guys. Like, I feel like you could put any any crowd in front of him you know what i mean he could still get them rocking just with the charisma and i think that's that's something that 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 if if i had any kind of a gimmick i would say my charisma is my gimmick you know what i mean because i really really try and resonate with the people that i'm in even if there's like five people in the crowd or if there's 50 or if there's 500 you play <laughs> you play like it's the end of the world every time and, and you're gonna touch the touch those five people or 500 every single time Oh, understandable, because there's a YouTube video series that I do. I call the Kevin Figures Out series. Like, I take a look at bands I don't really know all that well, or I know of them, but I really don't know much about them. I'm like, okay, let's take a look. I always look at the music, but the second thing I look is the image and the gimmick. And I always put gimmick in there because I'm like, the gimmick isn't the, you know, what you do that's wacky. It's what you do that's different. Because, like, I've done some where I'm like, okay, look at uh, look at Ginger, for example. I'm like, what's their what's kind of their selling point? What's their gimmick? I'm like, it's Tatiana's vocal range, especially the unclean screams, because she goes deeper than some of the guys do. Like, a lot yeah. of the guys do. So, like, that's definitely, like, a selling point right there. I did one on Bait Metal. Of course, it's the J-pop infusion with the idol culture over there. I did one on Popping. It's just the freaking weirdness. And I recently did one on Bless the Fall. I'm like, their gimmick is they're a scene band. I was like, that's that, that's it, and I couldn't really go anything further into it. Uh, a Diamante, I did one on Diamante, and I kind of looked at him like, what's kind of her gimmick? I'm like, well, it's like one selling point is the blue hair, through and through. However, I take a look at some of those gimmicks, so I'm like, can I get past those? Is it something that like, is it going to be something that draws me into the like draws my attention? 
is going to make me want to listen. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. And uh, I'll use Ginger as a perfect example. I'm like, once I heard like Tatiana's unclean vocals, I'm like, yeah, this makes me want to find out what the hell they're about. <laughs> like, listen to Pisces, listen to like the the drop, <laughs> like from clean vocals, all of a sudden the unclean, I'm like, holy fuck, I got to listen to more of this. Right, yeah. Like, even, I saw, you mentioned hair, like, like, look how the internet fucking broke when Billie Eilish changed her hair color. You know what I mean? Like, when I I found out about her, I didn't know who she was, and then I saw a, vid- a video of her like eating a spider. Or the, <laughs> you see that? <laughs> the spider, like the spider's crawling out of her mouth, and you're like, "What the fuck is that?" You know what I mean? You go, you click on the music, and you're like, "This is not what I I was expecting." Death metal. When I saw the spider crawl out, I'm like, "Who the fuck is this?" And then and then yeah, and then and then you 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 get to a point where you've got such a huge fan base where everything you do is no longer a gimmick. Everything you do is like you know, it's like sent from the heavens. You know what I mean? Like, like something as simple as changing your hair color and your whole fan base freaks the fuck out. Like that's insane. It, it happened to Metallica too. Like I remember, yeah, I remember when, reading cut his hair. About when when Metallica cut their hair and all their fans were like calling themselves like fucking like relax. <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're not going to want to, it's they're getting older. They're not going to want to rock with a bunch of long hair anymore. And there's a couple other bands too, where I take a look at it, especially, you know, I'll, I'll bring up, two that it's like especially even even given sound as well it's like it's completely changed from what it was on like a couple they're like more popular albums one being asking alexandria because like a house on fire is nowhere near what their original was or take a look at the recent release from a day to remember because they really went a lot softer than what we'd expected especially on something like uh i'm like welcome home like it was completely different but also you have to take a look and just think, okay, where are those guys in life now? Where are these artists in life? Is something different about them? Because I've been talking to people about this earlier. It's like, take a look at their, like where they are in life. It's a different spot. It's a different mindset. I brought up with an Asking Alexandria view. I'm like, they talked about how they don't listen to that stuff, like the harder stuff anymore. They listen to a lot more stuff because they have families, they have kids, they're older. They just resonate with a different style of life. And I'm like, okay, I totally understand that. But one thing I'm like also looking at too is like at times at some of the softer stuff when bands kind of like change their sound, it's weird because there's always something special about them. And that's thing that was special about them evolved with you. So you kept that special core to you or something that just kind of got lost in the shuffle. So yeah. that's always where I think when people look and like say like it's like with sound wise with like people saying, oh, bands sell out. I think that's where they're kind of looking at. But like using Metallic example, sell out because they cut their fucking hair. Or the world goes crazy because Billie Eilish changes her hair color. Her whole fan base loses their shit. Really? Really? Because like when I saw the spider thing too, I was thinking like I was going to get like something like that was, I wasn't thinking all pop. I was thinking Manson. Yeah. yeah. But how about this? Enough about other people's music. How about we get into Shut Me Out? Because that's yeah. the reason why, that's again, one of the other reasons why we're here. So when it comes down to this song, one thing I always like to start out with first is of course, for myself, the meaning of the song. I've got a whole like paragraph written about what I think the meaning is, but I want to know what you guys, when you were writing the song, what you were thinking about what the song was going to be about, what the meaning was, and I want to see how close I was or how my mind worked compared to yours. Um, yeah, well, when I wrote the song, I um, basically, I... I don't know. It came. It came kind of from from just like just blind anger. You know what I mean? And I kind of felt like 
I didn't know, at least for me, musically, sometimes, sometimes words fail, you know what I mean? And as a, like, I'm lucky enough to have this outlet to be able to say what I really mean, you know what I mean? And, and, and in terms of shut me out, shut me out kind of just came as a response to, you know, a bunch of shit that happened to me and everything that I was like, everything that I said didn't come out right. So I kind of went with music as as the as the um, as the as the medium to say what I really meant, and I think the song kind of reflected how I really felt. You know what I mean? And it was about like not not being able to communicate, feeling like like losing losing shit around you, everything you're kind of working hard for, and then you just kind of letting go of everything because if you know shit shit happens, shit shit's gonna happen. And you can, you know, like what, no matter what you do, if you keep your head up that, you know, people can shut you out all they want, but if you keep working there, you know, you, you move past things over time. I understand, but I think I definitely took a little bit of a different approach to it, but that could also be given the fact that when you first, when you listen to these songs uh-huh. with a kind of mentality in the headspace that you're in do speak to it as well. Cause I was looking at it. I thought it was always about like talking about being there for the ones that you love, that you care about when they're going through a difficult time because, oh, did you get did it cut out again? Shit. Why does this always keep happening? Uh, I was hoping this wasn't going to happen again, but um, before we get back into that, when it comes to the lookout service, check out the, br- okay, you guys back? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know what the fuck keeps happening. My unstable internet connection. God damn it. Okay. I gotta, I gotta fix this shit. I've been having more problems with the internet lately here because they tried to up my bill by like 20 bucks and I call them out on it. And I think they're going to be crappier service. Okay. So I'm not happy about it, but what I like what I was saying, I think I'm in a little bit of a different headspace with this song. Cause I thought the meaning was about being there for the ones that you love when they're going through a difficult time. Because during those difficult times, people may very well end up trying to shut you off from their lives, but they're kind of doing that in a way to protect themselves in some sort of a capacity. And because it feels like they're losing certain things in life or they just don't want to go through that kind of pain. They're trying to protect themselves from some sort of hurt. But it also speaks to the power of sticking by the people that you love through thick and thin at the same time as well. So I think when it kind of came down to it, uh, so just when you were rewriting this, it kind of looked at from the perspective of going through that personally. And when I was looking at it, it looked like I was kind of going through it as looking at someone going through something like that. So, yeah. so it's kind of on the same wavelength, but just taking a look at it from two completely different viewpoints. And that's going to all be based upon the headspace that we were in when you wrote this and when I listened to it. Well, that, that actually makes me very happy because whenever I write songs, I try and write them uh, the majority of the songs that I, well, not the majority, every song that I write about is, it's like, I, uh, like I'm the one who's speaking. Like it's like when I say, uh, when I say I, it's me, you know what I mean? And when I say you, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, I have a certain person in mind, but the, like, I'm, I, I don't say, uh, I won't say a name because I know that I not that I know, but I want people to interpret it in their own way, exactly the way you just did, and 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 that actually makes me very happy because it means I'm doing something right. You know, the fact that that you're able to listen to it and analyze it and uh, interpret it in your own way is something that I think any musician or any songwriter is very happy about, and that yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Yeah. And I bring this up all the time in the podcast. Everyone else listening, you guys know what I'm going to say about this. 
when it comes to Rogers writing song and the meaning of the songs, of course, we're, I think the base of the meaning or the core of the meaning is always going to end up being the same, but it all depends upon what we've gone through in life and especially what we are currently dealing with in our own lives, which is going to kind of take the message in a way that connects with us through different personal experiences. So with myself, I mean, I've gone through the times where I've shut people out, but for the majority of those times, I've always been one of those guys where with family and friends, when people are going through those tough times, trying to shut you out, I've been kind of the guy that's always just been there still. So again, that's where I'm taking a look at on that perspective, because for the majority of my life, I'm always kind of on the outside, kind of like, okay, the other person is starting to shut me out. However kind of got to stick with it just because it will help out in the long run because whenever they're ready to not shut me out let me back in I'm still there it's not gonna be somewhere and if they need help I'm still here I'm not far away yeah no that, that's that's a really cool way of looking at it you know what I mean like um, it's it's more of a literal perspective of, of, of uh, you know of, you know communicate like block of communication or whatever you want right sometimes some people, you know, you want to have some people in your life, uh, but it may not be the right timing, you know? So you got to kind of give some, some, somebody their space or whatever it may be. You need to give them space. You need to talk them through it. Or in your case, you know what I mean? You're saying sometimes you want to, you want to still be there for that person, even though that they might not be there for you. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, you just sometimes hope that, as like for me as a songwriter, you just hope that someone listening to the song can put it into their own perspective and then maybe it'll help them in, in different applications in their own life. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because even bringing that up as well, I mean, I've been the time, the point where in life where all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're with, you kind of meet somebody. It's like, you know, was this the right time to meet in life? And then you kind of wait it out and just kind of see what happens. Because like one of the, what, like the, the biggest relationship I ever had in my life it was something where it was like, okay, it seemed like everything was well, but all of a sudden it seemed like, okay, maybe this just wasn't the right time in life to meet. But then as time went on, I also realized that the time that we were together, that was the right time to meet. Mm. It just wasn't going to work out in the end because of the way that lives were going to end up going and the way that you wanted, that each of us wanted to pursue life and the dreams and the goals that envisions that we had, where it was like the dream, the goal and the vision that she had it was like, initially I thought I wanted that, but then as I had graduated college and I was starting to get into that, I realized that for me, it was a whole crock of shit and I wanted out of it as soon as possible, but the where I kind of end up going with it now never would have worked out. Yeah. I mean, if the song's provoking that kind of thought, man, I'm doing something right, you know? <laughs> It, it's incredible what when you really look into the depth of like you first try and find the meaning of the song. I'm not trying to say find the meaning of the song the way the artist wanted it versus when you're listening to the song, find the meaning for yourself. For sure. Because you're going to end up related to a way that the artist wasn't going to relate to it specifically. But again, the core of the base of the meaning is going to be there. And then as the instrumentals flow, you're going to end up realizing how they effectively hit on that, especially when it comes to show me how take a look at the chorus, because the way you construct it will tell you, I thought that you guys took a little bit of an inspiration from the white stripes and other like indie alt rock bands from the early to mid two thousands. And it's because I'm looking at my note sheets. If you need me to turn my eyes, reason being is because I wrote all this down. Didn't want to fuck it up. Cause it'll seem like the guitars maintain the rougher distortion sound 
throughout this more consistent style that we had seen, especially in the intro, kind of that rougher, a little bit of a twangier sound. Right. But the drums in the background are working more of on the snare and with a rougher hi-hat feel to create more of this heavy feel style behind what that guitar is going for. And I've always liked the feel style, so I'm always a big fan of that here. But I was a big fan of it here because it helped maintain the energy we were seeing from the instrumental transition before. Because it was a rather large instrumental transition before it. That was a lot of fun to listen to. So you're really taking the energy from one spot on this song to another and really transitioning through it very well. I know I brought that up earlier. It's one thing I really like about certain songs when they feel natural is that the energy transfer, like from the verse, all of a sudden gets that instrumental transition pre-chorus style. Then you get to the chorus. Everything seems to flow naturally and builds into each, each other. Yeah, each other. So yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're absolutely right like um yeah i guess i guess when we were when we were writing the song we had that in mind for sure like you know kind of soft build and then we had the pre-chorus with the solo bits and i remember telling rob i was like rob like on on these solo bits i kind of need to just smack the drums like a <laughs> You know what I mean? Like just dun dun, you know. <laughs> but luckily, you know, we know when to kind of hold off, and we we know when. Okay, like this is now the most impactful section, right? Like so, this is where we're really gonna give it, and then that's where Rob's going the most off on the drums. He's doing like these, you know, like really, really. When we were recording it. Uh, yeah, tell, tell them about how you have to fucking use the fucking back yeah. of the stick. So I, because I, generally I play like really quietly compared to a lot of other drummers. I don't hit hard at all. Um, and this is the first time I was ever really recording. And I didn't realize that in recording you can't play quietly at all. So after every single take, I have in my ear the, the guy who's recording us and our producer. And every single take, they're telling me, yeah, can you play it like a bit harder than that? Every every single time. It's the point where I switch sticks to the heavier ones. I actually was using the Neil Peart signature sticks. And then even that wasn't enough. So then I did what he was known for doing, which was flipping the sticks around, play with like the, the heavier end of the stick, like the butt end. Yeah, the yeah. butt end hitting the drum. So I started, I just eventually started doing that. And that, that helped a lot, I guess. But um, yeah, that, that was for like hitting hard but generally with me i don't like like whenever we write songs i try to i i more try to underplay rather than overplay i don't like just doing like a million fills just for no reason so when it came to this song like i i had i had a few fills going into the like actually recording it at the studio but it was more the producers telling us like or telling me specifically like i think the song needs more fills that's what they're saying to me so then that's why this song is like a fill at the end of like every single line, basically. And then actually like what became my favorite part of the song was uh, there's a fill that I do right before the second chorus that that was like just completely like on the spot. Like our producer told me to do something cool there. And that was just like the first thing that came to mind. Nice. And yeah, that's how a lot of this stuff for that song came to be. It was just like on the spot. I don't, I don't tend to like write fills and then record those exact fills. I kind of just... And with each take, pretty much every fill is different almost every single time, with like very few exceptions. But that that was one of the ones that like it came on the spot and then like it stuck basically. Yeah, yeah but I, I really like the fill style on this song as well, just because 
again, it was the energy transfer. It kept this full feel going through and through the song, especially in that instrumental transition from the verses to the chorus and then throughout the chorus as well. Yeah. For sure. And then even like how you end the song too, because it kind of outro with this like classic feel like this, again, that garage rocks out. Like you guys are just basically playing this in your garage, having fun with it. And with this, again, the fill style, again, rather massive on this part, but the guitars was playing along with more of this like rougher kind of solo feel. So it sounds like each of you guys are kind of doing your own thing on this. And I was totally down for this because again, we're seeing this full on energy transfer from verse to that pre-chorus instrumental of the chorus. But then when you got to the outro after doing it one more time through, I mean, it felt just full on fun, just kind of coming out of it. So it was kind of like you built us up and then that second verse comes in, you kind of bring us back down a little bit to build us back up. But then instead of kind of like dropping us out of the verse or out of the outro, kind of like to slowly descend us, you guys kind of just kept it going and you kind of kept us on that fun ride going through this whole entire thing. Yeah. The, when, when, when we switched to like a two man band setup, I had to get like, you know, finding the right sound sonically was, was, was a little bit of like a shootout, right? Kind of started with two guitar amps, then, uh, you know, a guitar amp and a, well, I actually started out with one guitar amp and that wasn't going to work. So I started with two amps, then messing around with, uh, one guitar amp, one bass amp. And I really like that sound because when the bass comes in for the chorus, it's that really big, wide, impact, impactful sound. Um, and then I was like, okay, how can I get it fatter? So I put, uh, an octave pedal, basically sending the signal down on the bass to get that nice low end. But then I also have a whammy pedal. So for that last section, when you're saying it's kind of like maintaining that high energy, it's because I introduced the whammy at the, at like right at that last section. And I think that's what really sometimes, sometimes just having that one piece of equipment there just to take it to the next level can really change the game for a song, you know what I mean? And, 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 and for, for the outro specifically with that whammy pedal, just, just getting that a high octave for the solo bits and then just going to town on that basically. Again, just the, the outro was also one of the times like we were talking about before with the metronome where like most, I think most of the song was on a metronome. Like we'd still stray off of it a bit during each take, but the outro, it didn't make any sense to have it with the metronome because it was just completely like on the spot and everything. So that, yeah, that was one of those times where, we just didn't bother with the metronome. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, it, it makes sense. It, well, kind of like we were talking about earlier where you, you don't want to just go with this kind of cookie cutter kind of thing. It's like, if you have an idea for something, give it a shot and see if it works. Like bringing that pedal to kind of change it to a higher octave, just to try something out that might be different. You never know what's going to come up with it. And then you come up with what you guys came out with in the outro and it makes total sense that it worked. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky. Like sometimes you just have all the right pieces of gear and you got a good sound and that, that was just our day. You know what I mean? We got, we got what we wanted for sure. Yeah. And I I think kind of going with that outro again, kind of just straying away from that metronome style to kind of just bring more of a dynamic flow to it. Again, I think that's really where it brings this song out to much more of a fun close as well. And where it doesn't just make it feel like, you know, you're kind of, you're closing out the song in a natural way. It just feels like, you know, or like I would say in a normal way, it feels like you're just closing out naturally fun. Like again, it's okay. The song is coming in. We got it. We're going to exit out of this. How do we exit out of this? Kind of like if you're just messing around the garage, having fun with it. And that's what you guys came up with on the spot. Yeah. It was very loose. (laughs) Just keep it loosey goosey, baby. That's right. Loosey goosey. (laughs) 
But one thing I always like to do when I uh, go through songs, is I always like to kind of give like a compilation overall feel so that people, when they're listening to Shut Me Out, they can really get a feel for it. And what I wrote is, again, I'm reading this what I wrote because I don't want to fuck this up. Overall, if you're looking for a band to satisfy that itch that might have been left behind by Jack White and the White Stripes, this is going to be the way to go. Look how was able to create an overall sound that really takes that indie rock style, puts more of a rough garage twist on it, creates something of a rougher 2000s alternative-inspired sound that really builds up on the energy level overall rather well. This is going to be something that even my hard rock, punk rock, and metalcore ass can get behind. Yeah, I uh, couldn't have written it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I write them. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but then again, I mean, I... I Whenever I write a song, whenever I go through a song, it's just like I'm going to take the time necessary to really try and understand it as well. Because you guys wrote these songs. You guys are trying to connect with an audience as well. Let's let's really go into it and see how it connects like with me. Let's see how it connects with me. When it comes to doing the podcast, like if it's a single, I'm like, oh, this is nice because then I can really dive deep into that one. We can really focus in on it. When it's an album, though, I'm like, now I got to deep dive into like 11 or 12, which I still love to do. But then I don't get enough time to talk about each and every one because otherwise I'd be in a podcast with someone for like six, seven hours. And yeah. that can get a little ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. I think the longest I've ever done was like three, maybe. That was that was weird though because it was like twelve. It was like getting to be midnight my time, and I was shooting with someone from Australia. So there was this still light out. I'm just like, this is my second one today. This is this is fun as all hell, but three hours might be enough. Yeah. Cut it out, and all of a sudden it was like two hours later when I finally got off the call. I stopped recording at midnight. I didn't get off the call till two a.m. because we just kept going. Yeah, for sure. Totally worth it though. Totally worth it. But as we close out this podcast, one thing I always like to do between you both, both you, Robert and Sergio is give you guys a chance to say whatever you want to say, plug whatever you want to plug at this very given moment. So talk to the people, tell them what you want to tell them. The floor is yours. Nice. Um, tell them the merch. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so we got merch coming very soon. We got like uh, our first, going to be kind of like our first official merch drop. Got some beanies, got some t-shirts. That's going to be coming uh, in uh, June. So stay tuned. It's coming very soon. Um, later this uh, later this summer, we're going to have another single coming out. Uh, it's going to be called Warm Summer Air. We'll be sure to send that one to you as well. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's coming out. Uh, that's coming out a little bit later this summer. And then sometime, hopefully this fall, we're looking at dropping our first EP. And uh, that's going to have, it's going to be like a, you know, kind of like a body of work, something for our listeners to really dive into and really understand who we are as a band. You know what I mean? Give them, give them like a body of work so they can really kind of see all, all, all our, um, all, all, like all the musical styles that we kind of riff on, you know? Totally understandable. Uh, Robert, you got anything you want to say as well? I think mean, he really covered most of it. Uh, yeah. Well, like, I don't, for, for me, I'm more, I don't really uh, control most of, like, merch and, like, <laughs> business aspects. I pretty much just practice and record songs. <laughs> that's it. That's all that I do. But, uh, yeah, with the EP coming out, there's, like, all of, the songs, like, People see the song, each song is very different from one another. That's what something that I like. Like with the bands that I listen to, that's kind of one of the things that I like hearing. 
And then it's also because we both like playing a lot of different genres of music. Like this one, this song showed me I was a lot heavier and like we have some some that are softer that we've recorded, some that we haven't recorded that are softer, some that are more bluesy, stuff like just everything. That's that's something that I really enjoy. And yeah, if, if you like boxes of chocolates, then you're gonna like our band because everything's different. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if you if you're if you're more of a Forrest Gump kind of person when it comes yeah. to like you like life being like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're gonna get, then Lookout Service is gonna be the band for you. Cheers, man. And, and yeah, and, and we, we've got to plug like our Instagram and our Facebook, just at the Lookout Service. Just as it's as spell it as it sounds, and we're everywhere: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the updates there. Make sure you guys go follow us and check us out. We're going to be posting there all the all the all the good content. Totally understandable. Alrighty, now it's time for me to close out with three different things. The first is you guys just heard when it comes to lookout service how you can stay connected with them where you can find them because there's plenty of stuff in the works that's coming out within 2021. So I know what you're thinking, Kevin, why in the hell do we have to look this up when you could just put all the links in the description of the podcast, YouTube, Spotify, podcast, iHeartRadio, and we can just click on it from there. You can do all the work and we can just click on the links. Well, I'm going to tell you, I already freaking do that. So take a look in the description below because you're going to find the links to their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or not Apple Music, my bad. I keep thinking about podcasts. But when that merch drops, because the merch might drop by the time this podcast drops, please, please, please send me that link so I can add it to the bottom as well so that people can pick up some cool ass merch, man. For sure. For sure. Now down to number two, and this is always the one that will kill my wallet, but it is always my favorite thing that I do on the podcast outside of actually doing the full interviews, which I also love. When it comes to the podcast, I always make a certain promise when I enjoy having guests on. So this actually happens 100% of the time. You guys have not broken this tradition yet, so it is going to continue on. This is a promise, not an if, but a when I get to see you guys play for the first time live with the Lookout Service. My promise to you is this. First round's on me. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, hopefully we'll be in Wisconsin soon. <laughs> not, not Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, or if, you, or if you're in anywhere in Wisconsin, I mean, as long if it's further up north, it might be a little bit of a trouble. But if you guys somehow like make, a, make your way to like Chicago or like surrounding areas outside of Chicago or something, that's actually kind of still easy for me to get to Chicago. It's a 90 miles south. It's an hour and a half drive. But there's a lot of times, like, if it's in the city, like, I'll stop way, way north and take the train in because, well, then I don't have to pay ridiculous parking fees. So I've done this. I've done this a couple of times before. Usually uh, it shows at the Aragon Ballroom. So it's like, yeah, I'll stop. Stop way, way north by Northwestern University. Take the purple line to the red line. Take the red line over to the Aragon Ballroom. Go see a show. Take the red line back. Take the purple line and then hop my car and go, and I'm completely out of like the bulk of the city by the time I get on the highway. Yeah, yeah. Totally worth it. So, again, no, one, you want to get in the know with the Lookout Service and follow them on all their stuff by their merch. The link's in the description below. Two, when I see you guys for the first time, first round's on me. So, three is me ending this podcast, not with a goodbye, because... Fuck, I can't end it with a goodbye. I made you guys a promise to see you guys live and I have to get make good on my deal. So first round's on me. So I can't end it with a goodbye. We're going to end it with. See you later. See you later. Ciao. <laughs>
Well, well, folks, this interview with Sturgis and Robert from the band The Lookout Service out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Again, when it comes to finding them online, you can find all their socials, where you can stream their music, and when their merch drops, where you can find it. It's going to be in the description of the podcast, YouTube, Southbound Podcast, I, Heart Radio. So please give them a follow, please give them a like. It, like, if you are missing that white stripe sound, you're trying to find something that will be a more modern take on it, so you keep getting new stuff pumped out like it, boom, the Lookout Service is for you, and so much more coming up with them. Also, please, if you're not subscribed to the Poor Progression Podcast, YouTube Top Out Podcast, I heard you, whichever one you prefer, please do because we've got a shit ton of great bands still coming your way. Again, even as touring resumes, two episodes a week is still the goal and we're going to make it happen. So please and keep enjoying the podcast. Comment on it. Give us a like. I know people say it helps out the algorithm. So I'm just going to say it, I guess. And please share it with someone that you know and love that loves this kind of music. So on that note, that's going to be for today, guys. You're listening to the Chord Progression Podcast brought to you on the Rocks for Rock and Roll Thrive. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how well I am every single one of these the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya. Yeah.